Hello and welcome to Follow the Leader Radio, featuring Sunday Sermon Review. Hello, I'm your host Robert Pearson and this is Sunday Sermon Review, the weekly show where I review a sermon. It's pretty straightforward. Now before we get into things, all scripture that I reference today will be on my website where I will also post this audio. And that is at lead to live lead the number two dot L I V E forward slash follow the leader. And there you will find a list of all the scripture references I'm going to use today. And all of those will be hyperlinked through to Blue Letter Bible, which is an awesome, awesome website. You'll find it at Blue Letter Bible org. They have all kinds of amazing resources there from commentaries, scripture cross-references, and a, a powerful, powerful original languages tool if you're into that kind of thing. It's awesome. It blows the doors off Bible Gateway. They're a nonprofit. They don't sponsor anything. They also have a really cool phone app for iPhone and Android. Check it out. Blue Letter Bible, blueletterbible.org. So you'll be able to find the scripture references that I'm going to use uh, today and every day on the post on my website, and it will be hyperlinked through so you don't even have to get out a paper Bible, though you should for practice. All right, today's sermon is delivered by Pastor Bill Frasnelli at Jubilee Christian Center in Fairfax, Virginia. Now you can find the audio of this sermon at jccag.org and go to their media page and sermons will be right at the top. And this is the sermon titled Dan the Prodigal, and it's for August 6th. 2017. Let's get into it. The title kind of says it all. The whole thrust of this sermon is Pastor Bill lays out an Old Testament narrative arc for Dan, the tribe of Israel, that and shows how it mirrors that of the prodigal son in Jesus's New Testament parable. Because all of the tribes of Israel start with children of Jacob. He starts with Jacob's prophecy over Dan in the uh, in the end of Genesis. Jacob gives a prophecy over each one of his 12 children. And you can see it almost always plays out. It always plays out rather, but you know we don't always get verses that tell us about it. Dan, though, we get quite a bit on. I'm going to read the passage briefly here. It's in Genesis 49, verses 16, 17, and 18. And I'm reading this from the English Standard Version. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a viper by the path that bites the horse's heels so that his rider falls backwards. I await for your salvation, O Lord. And so Pastor Bill kind of uses this for his sermon outline, two primary points. He states them briefly, and they are disaster and deliverance. And so he touches briefly that Dan is to judge Israel, which is kind of an important job. And then he proceeds to talk about Dan is the son of Jacob, and like father, like son. And Jacob is a deceiver. His name means uh, usurper or supplanter or you know, taking someone else's place. He says Dan would very likely reflect some of several of the traits that Jacob has. He then spends some time explaining how Jacob deceived Esau to get his birthright, and there's a few stories about him lying to different people in Genesis. And then Jacob was also a coward because he ran from Esau after tricking him to get his birthright. And you see him later afraid to face Esau when they get reunited later as adults. And so Jacob's turning point where God kind of redeems him out of that life is when he wrestles with God. When Jacob wrestling with God refuses to let him go. And at that point, um, he refuses to let God go until he blesses him. And it's at that point God then also changes his name. And so that was sort of the redemption out of being a deceiver that that Jacob received. And now looking to Dan, we would expect that they would be a deceiver. And also you can see that they're a coward. 
and he uses Judges chapter 5, verse 17. This is in the middle of the song of Deborah, who's a, a judge of Israel. And in the song, she's kind of taking her turns rebuking each of the different tribes of Israel that didn't send soldiers out to help in this one battle. One of them is Dan. And she says, why did you stay at the boat? And so it's at this point that uh, Pastor Bill kind of steps away from Scripture, not in like a like an important sense, but in a, where his focus is. And he, he takes time to build an emotional context for fear and for cowardice. And he, he gives examples and talks about how you would feel and what it feels like to be afraid and that running is your only option. And he really spends some time building an emotional context and building a connection with his audience about fear and cowardice. And, you know, maybe you've known someone who's afraid and, and used fear as their, their driving motivation much of the time and, and what it's like to be there. And then he moves from that, briefly mentions that they were also snared to Israel because they had some idol, idolatry. And then he, uh, he jumps to Ezekiel chapter 48, verse 32. In this passage, Ezekiel is relating his vision where God shows him New Jerusalem. And the city is just huge and how big all the walls are. And each of the four walls of the city have three gates on them, one for each tribe of Israel, and they're all being listed. So I'm going to read that briefly, once again, out of the ESV. This is Ezekiel 48, 32. On the east side, which is to be 4,500 cubits, three gates, the gate of Joseph, the gate of Benjamin, and the gate of Dan. And so Pastor Bill uses this to say that Dan, however, by whatever means, through whatever circumstances, has been redeemed and restored now into a favored position with God by being one of the east gates. First off, uh, you'll see that he's listed with Joseph and Benjamin, who were both the favored sons of Jacob because they were his sons by his favorite wife, Rachel. And Dan is now listed among them. Also, he says the east side of the city is the favored side because when Jesus returns, he will rise from the east to the west. I couldn't find the verse that Pastor Bill used to uh, to state that, but I don't know, Pastor Bill usually has some footnotes for the stuff he says. Uh, I haven't looked very hard, though, to, to, to find it all either. And so he he bridges from that, though. What do gates do? Well, they allow a way for you to get into the city. And so this is where he brings it home into an altar call. And he says that when you are a prodigal and God restores you, he makes you a gate. He turns you into a favored gate. Like the prodigal son was brought from a place of disgrace into a place of favor in the party. He now, God also turns you into a gate. You make a way for others to enter into the kingdom through your brokenness God redeemed you out of it, you now have a ready-made way to share the gospel by simply sharing your brokenness with others, and that gives you a connection point to share what God did with you, and thereby bringing them into the kingdom. I thought it was a really powerful imagery, and a really, really awesome way to bring the sermon to, to a close. Now, let's get into, first off, I think it was awesome and powerful imagery to view prodigals being redeemed and, and becoming gates or ways for others to enter the kingdom. Because, you know, you can't think of a single powerful speaker with a powerful testimony who, that's what their testimony is. They were a prodigal and they've been redeemed and they use that, their redemption, their personal redemption story as a as a testimony and a way to to bring people to Jesus and to be a gate. That was, this was really awesome and some really, really profound image. Now, the, the only tweaks I, I could see made for this is I, I feel like not enough time was spent on Dan's own brokenness. And I feel like there could have been an easy way to make this uh, the classic three-point sermon. I know it's not the right way to do things. It's just a way. And that was the way I was trained. Everything becomes an alliterated three-point outline just as a default. But I saw the, the verse, though, 
initially has three points already. There are three verses, and each of them have, you know, three different points. So I immediately saw three points being destiny, disaster, and deliverance in verse uh, Genesis 49, verse 16, 17, and 18. And so that first verse, Dan shall judge his people, and then you'll be a snake, and then I await your salvation. Destiny, the idea being that this is where you start. The prodigal son started in a position of favor as a beloved son with a large inheritance. And the tribe of Dan starts as a beloved son and then, you know, becoming a nation as a tribe. They are still in a position of prominence. You know, Dan will judge his people. And uh, in Numbers chapter 10, verse 25, Dan is given the position of the rear guard of Israel. So when the whole nation of Israel is marching out in a group, each tribe had their own position for certain reasons. And the tribe of Dan was given the position of rear guard to protect the back of the formation which is a really big responsibility because first off humans in general we're designed to move forward to do things in front of us to look forward by default that means we have a massive tactical disadvantage from our backside and that same principle holds true when you get a large group of people and you have a formation moving forward there's always kind of a generally understood front of any large group of people or formation and so now the back of that formation becomes your biggest tactical weakness. Add to that, ideally your formation is going to be moving, like for the people of Israel, they were moving into danger towards the unknown through, you know, unfamiliar and inhospitable lands. So you're going to naturally put your most precious people like women and children and valuables and food to the back of the formation because the idea is that your formation is heading into trouble. And so you're not just the rear guard of the formation, you're also now right next to and the last line of defense for protecting some of the most valuable things and people there are. So that's a huge responsibility. Add to that that the tribe of Dan is given the responsibility to announce a curse on idolatry. In Deuteronomy 27 verses 13 to 15, I'm flying through this. Remember, uh, this will be posted on my website and you can find the references that I use and they'll, they'll all be hyperlinked so you can you can find them and check my footnotes. The, uh, the people of Israel have not yet entered the promised land and Moses is laying out when you go in the promised land, here is what you should do. And one of the biggest things they were to do is that the nation of Israel was split in half by tribe and half of the people would stand on Mount Gerizim and the other half of the people would stand on Mount Ebal. And there was this big call and response that was scripted and everybody standing on Gerizim would shout blessings given for obeying the Lord and the people on Mount Ebal would shout curses for disobeying the Lord. And Dan was one of the tribes chosen to stand on Mount Ebal and they were given the part to in this call and response to announce a curse on anyone who commits idolatry and has an idol, worships idols in the nation of Israel in the promised land which is a really big deal because the tribe, uh, the nation of Israel is incredibly susceptible to idolatry throughout their entire history. They've been struggling with this literally from day one. Moses is still on the mountain. He's getting the Ten Commandments for the first time and they've already built an idol and are worshiping it before he can even come back down the mountain. It is a huge issue and so it's a big responsibility that they would be the ones giving the warning against idolatry. Now, the tribe of Dan then meets with disaster, and I feel like this should have been dwelled on more than the, the shortcomings of Jacob and trying to impute those to the tribe of Dan. In Joshua chapter 19, verse 47, when they're listing the cities everybody gets in the promised land, now that everybody's in the promised land in Joshua, it's stated that Dan has already lost their inheritance. They got pushed out by the people that lived there. And in Judges chapter 1, verse 34, we get a little more detail. It says they're pushed back by the Amorites. And we get an in the whole story later in Judges uh, chapter 18. The, the entirety of the story spans from 17, uh, chapter 17, chapter 18, and chapter 19 in kind of 
spoiler, but the, the part dealing directly with the tribe of Dan is in chapter 18. And it's this big long story where Dan got kicked out of their inheritance like cowards. They ran away and instead of going back in and taking their inheritance given to them by God. They decide they're going to go and they find another land. They find a city where they're just minding their own business and this city is too far away to ask for help from anybody else. And they go capture that city. While they're doing that, the guys that went out and found the city in the first place came across a guy who has a priest at his house and he has an idol at his house. They get some good advice. And so when they come back with their army, they take the priest and the idol and then they set that priest and idol up in the new city they conquer. So what was the rear guard of Israel announcing curses on idolatry has now become a hub for idolatry in the middle of the land running from their inheritance. And that is just a really low place to be. And so then coming around, I wait on your deliverance. Um, there's nowhere that you can really find the tribe of Dan being delivered or uh, in the biblical narrative. But we presume it would happen because later it, it happens at some point or in, in some way because in Ezekiel 48:32 you have them listed as a, an honored gate on New Jerusalem. And the only thing I would have to add to that point that Pastor Bill kind of ends on is that uh, Revelations also mentions having three gates on each wall of New Jerusalem. Revelation 22 verses 13, uh, 12 and 13. It mentions that, you know, 12 gates on the city, one for each tribe of Israel, uh, three on each wall. So it's just more of kind of the same. But we see that that's not something that's only true for the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament. That that was it, though. It was a, it was a good sermon. I really like how Pastor Bill spent a lot of time building an emotional context for fear, um, even though I think some more time should have been spent on Dan, the tribe themselves. I understand also that not everybody's a nerd like me and they don't all like nuanced detail, matching logic and structures and stuff. Spending that time to build an emotional context was probably uh, was a really good move. And that was just a, a powerful way to bring it around with that imagery using the gate as redeemed prodigals. So that's all I have to say about that. Definitely go check out Pastor Bill's sermon. Once again, you can find that at jccag.org. Navigate to their media page. And then on that, you'll see sermons right at the top of the list. And there, the sermons, you'll see them listed. This is Dan the Prodigal. This is the sermon for August 6, 2017. Once again, all verses will be linked to my website where I will also post the audio recording of this. And that is at lead to live, lead the number two dot L I V E forward slash follow the leader. I have been your host, Robert Pearson, and this is Sunday Sermon Review. So long and thanks for listening to Follow the Leader Radio.